0: Now, the Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.
1: Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe, your host here on CFAX 1070 every week, bringing you tips, education, and updates on everything having to do with your home. Whether you are in the real estate market or if you're just looking for decorating or improvement ideas, this is a great place to be. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellas, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais if you need help or direction in your real estate transaction give any of the whole home show team members a call they would love to hear from you it's been my pleasure being your host here every week for the last six years although this isn't my day job my day job actually has been helping people buy or sell real estate here in the capital region since 1991 i've helped hundreds and hundreds of Buyers, sellers, investors with their real estate needs. I'd be happy to help you as well, too. If you're looking uh, to maybe make a move, you like a second opinion, want to chat about what's going on there in the real estate market, feel free to reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. You can find me and the rest of the whole Home Show team members by visiting cfax1070.com, look under shows there you'll find us the whole home show with me Tony Joe all of our contact information is there or you can always reach out to me as well too I love hearing from you on a weekly basis I'm so excited this week my guest is Victoria's Heritage Detective that would be Helen Edwards Helen Edwards is a local writer And she has written a couple of books, a few books, in fact, that I think you're going to be very interested to know about. Uh, I had got a chance to meet uh, Helen at a few events here locally in town, Uh, specifically the two volumes of The Heritage Detective, which talks about Victoria's history. What used to happen here? Old homes, old places. I'm looking forward to chatting with her about some examples of some of the people that lived here well before us and what their desires and dreams were here in greater Victoria. She also, by the way, wrote a book that was the history of professional hockey here in Victoria. Of course, I found out about this because everyone was walking around with her book down at the Inner Harbor that day of Hockey Day in Canada a few weeks back when uh, it was just an amazing uh, event with Sportsnet. And Victoria was very much turned into a hockey mecca at the time. But again, she was uh, one of the key people. Uh, And we want to hear more about her book. She's going to tell us, for those of you who maybe don't know, Victoria is a Stanley Cup champion unlike many of the other teams that exist out there right now. It's almost 100 years ago now. A lot of stories to talk about then. We always, of course, talk about uh, timely matters or answer questions at the start of our program, and that's where we're at right now. If you've got something that you'd like me to discuss or a topic that uh, needs some conversation, reach out to me again. Uh, Google me. Find us on the cfax1070.com website. Um, or, by the way, if you're a podcast listener, you can listen to all of our podcasts, 300 and so of them uh, from the past six years. So much great information. Uh, You can download Listen at Your Heart's Desire. You can find us on iTunes, Google, or where all fine podcasts are found. Now, uh, today, in my hand right now, obviously, this is the radio, so you can't necessarily see this. I have an envelope, a window envelope. Uh, this year, it's of course we are in the middle of Feb. We're very close to the middle of February. Like the it's February 13th right now, folks. Uh, in the mail yesterday, guess what I got? Bet you got it too. I'm feeling it open right now. It is a provincial government envelope. Oh, what is this? This is important tax information about the speculation and vacancy tax. Well, yes, folks. Now is the time. It's a reminder that you have to declare the speculation of vacancy tax, your exemption, I should say, say, on your home. Um, Now, I wanna remind you, there is a deadline, March 31st. You must do this now. You can declare online, it's very easy. You will need information that's in this letter here, your declaration code, your letter ID, the address, the property that you are declaring uh, about uh, and again if you fail to declare you may be subject to a speculation and vacancy tax what is the speculation of vacancy tax just a little uh history here folks this came into play in 2018 it was the provincial government's uh way of trying to um bring back what were uh, vacant houses, vacant properties out there in the marketplaces, bring them back into use for either rental uh, or for sale, things like that. Um, it is something that we're all getting used to now. Um, the, it, it was it was in major, uh, areas in British Columbia. that expanded it a little while ago as well, too. I'm not even going to bring up the list because, of course, Victoria has been in that list since day one. If your property falls under the speculation tax, the tax rate is 0.5% of the assessed value of properties that is for British Columbians and other Canadians. Remember, there's a lot of fellow Canadians that own properties for occasional use uh, here and in the other market areas too. If it is a foreign owner, foreign entity, uh, or what they call satellite families of foreign owners, it is 2% of the assessed, the property assessed value. And this is payable every year. So folks, the amount can be significant. I heard from a family uh, last year whose father had passed away and is an estate sale, but it was, uh, you know, undergoing the process of probate and everything. The family neglected to declare the situation there now there are exemptions for things like um, estates and probate and all that but just be very careful folks do not uh, miscalculate uh, or underestimate this form here because i have heard of cases where people got assessed the tax and they had no reason to get taxed aside from not declaring so uh public service announcement Make sure you fill out the form, it is necessary. I also bumped into a situation where uh, clients had sold their property. They had principal residence they lived in. Uh, They moved into a brand new condo in December, early December and they received the speculation and vacancy tax for the new property and it asked the question that says for 2023 was it your principal residence and of course a little feedback loop there because they only moved in in December so the question was why is it my principal residence because the other one I lived in for the first 11 and a half months out of the year um, there is there are exemptions for the newly built uh, uh, home exemptions. Uh, there's a number of things, you know, speak to a, um, speak to your lawyer. You, there's also a helpline for the speculation of vacancy tax. By the way, they say that 99% of homeowners in BC are exempt. Um, uh, okay. Uh, interesting too. They are, they often quote about the fact that they've raised a fair amount of money. I think it was 81 or $83 million towards housing initiatives, which of course is great. I would have thought that it would have been more actually, but you know, it's interesting folks, one little note, and you guys know you listen to me long enough and we're all entitled to our own opinions. Uh, you know, one of the questions is, has the vacancy tax worked? Well, it sure hasn't caused properties to become any cheaper and there still is a heavy demand and a, uh, you know, we have a shortage of inventory and that has not changed so yeah you can add these things this is not new by the way there's a lot of other countries that have these forms of taxation or measures to try to uh, prevent speculation and vacancy uh, i always enjoy the stories that i hear about people saying oh yeah you know there's empty houses all over well tell me where and you know it's interesting because most of the time when they're identified they are properties that yeah people have bought and they're intending to renovate or tear down, needs time for permits, that is not what people think. That's not this whole idea of holding for speculation and making a profit. Just people going through the process. Anyways, folks, uh, that's uh, a little chat about property, the speculation of vacancy tax. Make sure you declare. Don't forget. uh, And need to take our first break here. We're going to come back and have a chat with the heritage detective, Helen Edwards. I'm so excited. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back here, listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Victoria has so much history, but do we know it? How much do you know about Victoria's history? If you're new here or if you were, like me, born and raised Victorian, knowing the neighborhoods and the areas, maybe thinking about specific buildings or specific houses, it's always good knowing the history and a little background about who lived there and the stories that exist? Today's guest is someone who's going to bring us back into the past and maybe talk about some of the history here in Greater Victoria. So, with us today is an author, local author, Helen Edwards. Helen, thanks for joining us today.
2: Oh, well, I'm pleased to be here.
1: Now, I want to start by saying you had yourself very busy few weeks a little while ago. It was, of course, the Hockey Day in Canada. Right. And I was volunteering down at the site in the Inner Harbor and I saw so many people holding a book and the book, of course, was the history of professional hockey in Victoria. So, you know, before we get into the uh, stories about you being the heritage detective let's talk a little bit about the history of professional hockey because there is a backstory here and one that maybe a lot of people don't know about
2: well and so many people don't know that the victoria cougars actually won the stanley cup <laughs> um, they did in yeah. march 30th 1925 they beat montreal canadians in the um Patrick Arena, which was located across from where Oak Bay High School is now, and uh, won the Stanley Cup, and they were the last non-NHL team to do so. So it's pretty special, and we'll be celebrating the centenary, of course, next spring, but I decided when the Salmon Kings folded that if I didn't record the stories of all the years of hockey and Victoria Pro Hockey, the stories would be gone forever. And I did some interviews and I spent hours reading microfilm because nothing was digitized <laughs> in those days. Yeah. Seven hours of painstaking research, but it produced a book. And when I first released it, it didn't sell well because there was no buzz around it. Mm -hmm. So I, I had my now designer put a new cover on it, which made it fabulous. We updated some information inside and we officially launched it live on national television. So you can't do anything better than that. And it has complete statistics. It has details on every player, all 482 of them to play at least one regular season game. And uh, it's just, it's my way of saying thank you to everybody who entertained us all those years.
1: Yeah. And that, and that, you know what, it's, it's so funny because all of the poor fans of the Vancouver Canucks who hope that one day the Stanley Cup will arrive there, yeah. uh, forget about the fact that we've had it here in our little town. Uh, right. What That's a history. Great. Yeah.
2: And so many people don't know and they don't know that Victoria Cougars were sold to Detroit and eventually became the Red Wings. So there's, there's just a million stories and how Lester Patrick uh, illustrated plays to his players. I got that from Reggie Abbott, who played here in the 1950s. And he said, you know, nowadays they got chalkboards and whiteboards and all this fancy computer analytics. He used nickels and dimes, (laughs) put them out on a table and moved them around. And I have never seen any reference to that, but I got it from a player. So he knows.
0: Yeah, that is.
2: Little stories like that. That's what I do, anyhow. I write about people. And I just thought it was important that the stories be told. And yeah, the book is selling well. So that's good.
1: Yeah, and I I want to remind people the book is called the history of professional hockey in Victoria, British Columbia, and you can find that on Amazon. Uh, you can always find you can also find it in at Boland Books and at Monroe's locally, uh, and of course Thanks from Russell. and Russell Books. Great, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, Helen Edwards uh, of course, the author who we're chatting with today. Uh, but we're going to get back to the whole hockey thing at some point here. Uh, you are the heritage detective, so uh, let's let tell us about that. How did this begin? How, how did you how did you become the heritage detective?
2: Well, I. It was completely out of the blue. A woman contacted me. She knew I was active in the heritage field. And she said, she's coming up from Los Angeles. Could she show show me some photographs? Because she wanted to know something about her grandmother, Katie McCluskey, who had come here in the early 20th century. And I said, oh sure, bring them up. And um, she had this most amazing photograph book. And in those days, We didn't have good scanners, so uh, I could only scan a few of them. But that really started me being a detective. I had to examine photographs with a magnifying glass. I had to find out, first of all, where was that location? And I had to do it by looking at the buildings across the street. Luckily, they're still there. (laughs) But we have to search through city directories and Oh, it was it was a long, exhausting process, but I did find out that um, it was the St. James Hotel on um, John's. Yeah, yeah, and it it's still there. It's not called St. James, of course, anymore, and it's been added onto and looks totally different. But there was some really interesting stories behind that and she brought her brothers out she was young she had been orphaned in the midwest and eventually brought her brothers out and they stayed at the hotel with her for a while and then they went out on their own after she left victoria i can't find her so Mm -hmm. i don't know whether she got married or what happened to her but that started the whole thing and it just led me down a path. And then a friend of mine was setting up a magazine called Platinum. And she said, could you write a column? And what would you call yourself? I said, well, I'm a detective. So she said, well, you're the heritage detective. So that's how I got the name. Yeah. Because uh, I've been writing about heritage things for 50 years, but um, never for money. <laughs> <laughs> always, always for free. Yeah. Just, just. Being able to dig into this and, you know, find the other buildings in some of the other photographs, and I think one of my favorite is a picture of uh, a streetcar on Government Street in yes. the when we had that big huge snow in what was it nineteen thirteen.
1: Yeah, that's the other that's the other big stone because people talk about store, yeah. yeah, yeah people I can't talk remember
2: about- exact year. My my brain doesn't always remember dates, but yeah. It it and it, it shows, you know, they had to dig it out and things, and just little things like that. And then you look in the background, you say, Oh, I wonder what that store was. And and so that sets me on another whole thing. And it's just amazing the stories you can find. And now with things digitized. In the, in the newspapers digitized, it's so much easier because you can just put in an address or a name and find things. But when I first did this, it was all doing it by hand so and using microfilm. But that that's how it all started. And then I wrote for that magazine until it folded. And then she set up Moss Rock Review, which covered largely yeah. Fairfield. Yeah. And I wrote for that until... That um, folded as well when she got ill. Yeah. But Just digging in. And then other times people would find a photograph and say, what's the story behind this? And that's the kind of stuff I love to do. So I think my favorite story that has a backstory to it is about the park hotel later To be called the colonist hotel
1: well listen helen uh so we're having a conversation with the heritage detective we need to take a break right now having a chat about some of the history of victoria and i want to hear about this hotel there's so many great (laughs) stories here in greater victoria uh again need to take a quick break here we'll be back in just a moment now the whole home show with tony joe on cfax 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, JP Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of The Whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. You can find their contact information in mind by visiting cfax1070.com look under shows there you'll find us the whole home show with me tony joe all of their contact information is there or you can always reach out to me as well i love hearing from our loyal cfax listeners every week it's been Six years now that we've been here coming to you on the weekends, we have over 300 episodes. And by the way, we have podcasted them as well. So if you are a podcast listener, you're in your car, you want to listen to some great content, you can find us the whole home show with Tony Joe by going to iTunes or Google uh, in your car. It's amazing. You know, you can find us on your podcast searching device on your car it's amazing what you can find nowadays so you know anywhere fine podcasts are found you can find us we're having a conversation today with the heritage detective Uh, we had talked about hockey in victoria and how in 1925 victoria was the stanley cup champion and of course we're having a chat with helen edwards the heritage detective again helen thanks for joining us today
2: Oh this is fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is indeed. Um you are a born Victorian. There's very few of us around here. I Everyone know. here has come from another place, right? Um and you know it's funny. There's a whole bunch of groups on Facebook of course and and you know they post pictures of places and it brings you and I back to I remember that and it's yeah. not there anymore. Um anyways, Before the break, you were going to talk about a story in one of the hotels here in town. Tell us about it.
2: Okay. It was originally called the Park Hotel, and it was built directly across from Beacon Hill Park. And the name of the owner was William Lush. And when you hear about him, you'll you'll think his name is perfect for him. He was Irish, and he came to Canada during the gold rush. And uh, he he married Henrietta, who had operated a hotel downtown before, but they thought, oh, we want to set something up on the on the outskirts of town because of course there was horse racing at Beacon Hill Park, so they wanted to catch the horse racing crowd um, because I believe liquor was very pro- profitable then as it is now, and so they persuaded um, Emily Carr's father, Richard to sell them some property off the corner of his. Evidently, he needed some money, and they promised that they wouldn't put up a drinking establishment. <laughs> what they did. Yeah. They put up a, a hotel, and they had the loudest, longest parties. And uh, this upset Mr. Carr, so he built a fence and some trees so his girls would not have to witness this raucous behavior. But you have to understand, this was far from town when it was built.
1: Um, Yeah, we're talking Beacon Hill Park here. so Yeah, exactly.
2: And there was no government street. Uh, Essentially, there was bits and pieces um, with different names. But they arranged coaches to bring people from, from the inner harbor. And they called it a retreat. It was just a place to have a party, but (laughs) that's okay because, uh, life was not easy in those days, but, uh, Mr. Lush, he, he couldn't control himself when he was drinking. So he was always getting fined and he beat some guy up quite, quite bad. And, uh, people tried to, uh, have his liquor license removed. Well, it was for a very short time, but he got it back. I I don't know what what hold he had on people, but he got it back. And I think one of the most interesting things about him is he signed a petition against a new law. This is in 1873, an act to extend the rights of property of married women. And this was actually to give married women some rights and all the men were opposed. It didn't go through, but, um, he got, he got fined for, you know, selling liquor to someone who was not supposed to have it. And he was fined $150, which, and, you know, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And, um, he also owned a bowling alley. So he went into the bowling alley and he said, I'm going to, this is going to be the last drink I'll ever have. Well, the reason was that he um laced his drink with strychnine and oh. he died. So uh
0: Mr. That Lush. Was
2: of, that was the end of Mr. Lush. Now Mrs. Lush continued to operate the hotel. Um other other people owned it too, but it it just deteriorated and um it, it never was quite the same. Um, it was owned by one woman who was a teetotaler. So that was totally different. <laughs> um, that was Mary Bullock, and she called it the Park Tea Rooms. But it deteriorated farther. It was home to some Boy Scouts, and, and then it was a corner store for a while, but they demolished it in 1924. And uh, in. 100 19- years ago. Yeah. In 1955, uh, developers put up a three-story apartment block named the Emily Carr. Well, guess what? It was demolished in 2014, and and now it's a luxury condo on that site. But the history is still there. You don't need a building to know the history. So that's that's Mr. Lush, aptly named... uh, (laughs) Yeah you know, um I mean there are there are hundreds of these stories. Um do we have time for another one?
1: Oh, absolutely. So okay. uh, again we're we're having a chat with Helen Edwards. She is the heritage detective. She's bringing us back in time because you know for those of us here even those who were born and raised in Victoria or those of you maybe who have come here from another place. Helen, we were chatting about the fact that everyone here seems to come from somewhere else. Uh the history here is rich And there's so much to know here. By the way, folks, if you're curious, you want to learn more about Victoria and you're listening again to the Heritage Detective, you can find her books uh, all over the place. Go to the local shops, Monroe's, Boland's, Ivy's Bookshop, Russell Books, Tanner Books, uh, all of these places. uh, And you can find uh, her two volumes of uh, the Heritage Detective. It's hidden stories of ordinary Victorians who did extraordinary things um it must be so much fun helen especially when we drive around town and you look at because you were just talking about the fact that the hotel existed in a place which is now uh condo so i mean it's not there anymore but you know yeah. that it was there and there were stories yeah. about mr and mrs lush and
2: yeah. I know there's, yeah.
1: there's more stories too right oh there's
2: there's there's thousands of stories i have i've just you know i'm at the the very few. I, I think I've done 200.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: One of my favorites is 59 Cook Street because it was designed by Thomas Hooper, whom anybody who knows anything about Victoria architecture will know that he built many, many buildings, including Monroe's Books downtown and Merchie's oh. Tea Shop. Oh. So he was very prominent Well, he built this home in 1912 in on Cook Street. And what was interesting about this house is it was custom built as a brothel (laughs) because um, most of the brothels in those days were downtown because they were close to the men's clubs where men congregated and where they were in business. And uh, suddenly, you know, authorities were creeping in and, this woman, um, Christina Tass, decided maybe I'd better move somewhere else. She she actually came to Victoria in oh 19, 1902, 1903, and coincidentally, the most infamous madam, Stella Carroll, she was just leaving. So there was a You know, the the market was open.
0: (laughs) For Boston. And
2: uh, yeah, and and so they started out on Broughton Street, but she wanted to be exclusive. So she hired Thomas Hooper. So she must have, you know, been making money, obviously. (laughs) And uh, the, you know, reports say that the girls were well-groomed and some even were married with children. But uh, in the city directories, they list your occupations as sales clerk or dress. Clerk. <laughs> so, oh oh
1: so my it's goodness!
2: Respectable, right?
1: For yeah. sure. Well, Helen, hold on, hold on a moment. We need to take our last break of the day. We're chatting about brothels in Victoria and uh, history with Helen Edwards, the Heritage Detective. Need to take our last break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070 thanks for coming back you're listening to the whole home show and i'm tony Job. we're having a chat with the heritage detective helen edwards she has written several books here about the history of greater victoria and just before the break here helen who was starting to tell us about the brothel business and how uh a property down on cook street 59 cook street which of course is right down by dallas road mm-hmm. uh so much to know here uh, again helen thanks for joining us today
2: well it <laughs> It's fun. I love to share the stories, you know, but Christina operated her brothel until 1919 (laughs) when she went back to California, which is where she was from in the first place. And she died in California in 1938 and is actually buried in a very nice cemetery there. And after that, the building was owned by John Edward Day, who has amazing connections in Esquimalt as well. And just he was in the hotel and brewing industry and he didn't do anything controversial. He he just lived there with his with his wife. And uh he just lived very quietly. And you know, but the building is still there. It's had a number of owners, it's now into suites and Imagine the stories if those walls could talk. Man, could they tell stories? <laughs> the thing
1: about actually, Helen, I just I just want to hold you for a second there. So we've been talking about Fifty Nine Cook Street, the brothel, and as we're chatting, I pulled it up. I know that house. Well, I've been there before.
2: That house, it, yeah. is, it is. It's very striking.
1: It's got pillars in the front. Exactly. It, oh exactly. my goodness. Okay.
2: You know and. You know, there, and not all the stories are happy or even funny. And I have to tell the story of 1124th Street, Trabatha, Mm -hmm. um, which was built for uh, Dr. Uh, Thomas A. Jones, prominent dentist who lived there for quite some time and then moved to um, the corner of Linden and Rockland. But the story that I want to tell is about George Wild Walton and his family, who moved in in 1921. And he worked for the Victorian Sydney Railway, and mm-hmm. later worked for the Canadian National Railway. And he was the victim of a horrendous accident in his house. He went downstairs to find out why his furnace wasn't coming on, Oh, do I need to put more wood and coal in there? And he went to plug in an extension cord to plug in a light and he got electrocuted Oh! because the, you know, the the big high wire outside the house that somehow shorted into his house and it didn't trip the breaker. Well, it would fuses in those days, didn't trip the fuses, although other properties it did. And he was, he was electrocuted and his son just escaped his young son just escaped being um, hurt. And when his poor wife went down to call them for breakfast, I I can't imagine her horror at seeing her husband dead and her son completely traumatized. But uh, they had an inquest and they said, oh, it was just a tragic accident. You know, know, That's not supposed to happen. The high power is not supposed to come in. your house but you know it was accidental death by electrocution from current from an unknown source they knew where it came from (laughs) from. (laughs) but that's how you know that that's how the the coroner's jury said it now she lived in that house until 1940 I don't know how she did that she was a very brave woman but now people will recognize the house because it was restored by John architect John Kay and his partners, and got oh it got fixed up beautifully with a great paint job, and eventually they put the old porch on. It's a little shabby right now, but it could be re- put back to what it was. They did a remarkable job, and. It proves that just because a building is old, it can be useful. I mean, we see this all over town, but so many, this is the argument presented by developers, you know, mm-hmm. some of them unscrupulous, who who yeah. say the building is old and tired. Well, no, sometimes it just needs a bit of a, of a pick-me-up. Just like us, you know, I'm <laughs> old and tired. No. no, maybe they do. I don't know. But, but,
1: but. there's there are some great examples of uh, heritage homes that have been maintained and retained. Oh, yeah in in heritage it must be so interesting for you driving by and knowing the backstory and history of specific buildings Uh, on the flip on the flip side i know it's always very sad too when you see a heritage building or something that uh for you and i who were who are born victorians you sit there and you remember that house but it's gone now because of whatever because of time right
2: well and i mean not every old house is is a work of art either some of them were not built very well yeah. uh, so you know we can't say we have to save everything but I think we save enough so that people know what it what it used to look like and you know just we just have to do something mm-hmm. because we can't have every building the same because what makes the streetscape interesting is you have buildings from different eras uh, there's a street down in um, Gonzales called Wildwood, yes. and it has, you know, I'm doing this for me- for memory. Um, it has things from the early 20th century, and then it it has some from Brand new. You know, the late 20th century, and they all work together. Yeah, uh, because what happened was there was a family, the Newberries, who were well known in the antique business in Victoria, and they had a large property, and then they cut it in half, and built a house for their daughter to live there when she got married. And yeah. this was very common in those days. The Rithits yeah. did it too. yeah, uh, and, th- and that's how they did, those were early subdivisions. And then, you know, some, they got cut a little more off because nobody needs a huge house anywhere we don't have 14 children or 15 children
1: well you know the interesting thing you just mentioned the newberries and the rivets and of course we have streets in victoria with those names so there's a lot of streets that are named after these notable uh, victorians from yesteryear right yeah
2: and you could spend hours researching this stuff um and that's what I do. I just, I I love the thrill of the chase. I love <laughs> doing the research and finding the answers. And I think that's what drives me to do more. And actually I am asking people to send me addresses that they would like researched. Oh. And eventually there will be volume three.
1: Well, you know, as a reminder, folks, we're having a chat right now with Helen Edwards. She is the heritage detective and she's just giving you a call out she wants uh you to let her know about specific addresses or things to research you can find her helenedwards.ca helenedwards.ca and as i've mentioned already a couple of times you can find her books or two volumes of the heritage detective by going to local bookshops monroes boland's ivy's bookshop russell books tatter books all of those or of course you can find it on amazon as well too we opened up our conversation by talking about the history of professional hockey again victoria stanley cup champions unlike our friends across the water (laughs) right yes uh and the other one too i just want to quickly mention is dutchy's diaries
2: yes those are uh transcription of my late father-in-law's diaries he was a commodore in Royal canadian navy he served for 38 years and retired out here he's was originally from nova scotia he joined the second class of the naval college of canada when he just came out of grade 8 and as part of their training they were required to keep a daily journal which the you know the uh, commanding officer signed off on every night even after he didn't have to do that he maintained it so uh, after he died found complete journals from 1916 up to 1929. So I transcribed them. Well, first of all, I scanned them. Yeah. Then I transcribed <laughs> them. And then I put it into a book. And then I said, well, I'll tell the rest of the story. So, of course, as he rose up the ranks, um, more people were writing about him. And he didn't keep as much detail as, as he had before. But there's one that was really interesting to me because I found out, when my husband had chicken pots. You know, when he broke his arm. Uh, it just happened to be that year. And and also when they had purchased properties, because I didn't know the exact dates. So, you know, just it was it I, I wrote the the second one called Duchy's Decades. And that sort of completed the story. And according to uh naval experts, it's rare to have these first person um Stories in Canada, in Britain, they're all over the place, but I don't think people saved them here. And I eternally thank my late mother-in-law because she's the one that saved everything.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So much history. Uh, Again, folks, you know, if you are a longtime Victorian or if you're new to town and are curious about the history of Victoria, we're chatting today with Helen Edwards. She is the heritage detective. She's the person that can help you get there. Uh, Again, she has two volumes of her book, The Heritage Detective. You can find those uh, at wherever fine books are sold. Monroe's, Boland, Ivy's. I was in Russell Books just a couple of weeks ago. That is a fantastic show shop local shop in town right um and of course you can find it on amazon as well too but hey go and uh support local go to one of your local bookshops and uh find her book there the other uh two dutchy dutchy's diaries and uh dutchy's De- decades plus the history of professional hockey in victoria which you've got to check out uh, again helen thanks so much for joining us today uh i was i opened up by telling uh our listeners about the fact that I too was down at the uh hockey day in Canada event in the Inner Harbor. Uh I was at the Oak Bay Tourism booth and I saw all these people with your book. And um <laughs> there's there's just so much history here. And it's important. And your 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 work is important because uh you know people know about Victoria. They've come here and they they love all the aspects of Greater Victoria. But there's a history here as well too, and exactly. history something to be yes. maintained. Helen, thanks for joining us, and again uh, to our listeners, uh, go to HelenEdwards.ca, learn more about her, and uh, you'll see her around because Helen, I've seen you at events all over the place, so you 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 make the rounds I'm everywhere. You're everywhere. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, to our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.